Alright everybody, welcome into Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast. It's where we usually cover baseball, or teams attempting to play baseball. I am Paul Russo, next to me as always, Kyle Evans, behind the scenes, manning the computers, working the cameras, making sure our audio is tremendous as always. Nate Sharman, coming to you guys live from FingerLakes1.com studios in Sun Falls, New York, third floor of the North Park building. Is it a happy Monday? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's World Series week. Oh, wait. It's a fair enough. The Yankees aren't in it. Shocker. It's fair enough. Baseball fan in me is very pleased that we've made it to Fall Classic week. Yankee fan in me uh, is not pleased. Obviously, um, I wanted to get to there. But um, I guess other than that, you know, probably it was a decent weekend to, to go out and do fall activities, I, I guess. Yeah, and that's know. probably a better option than watching those games, for sure. <laughs> True. Uh, Nate, all good back behind the scenes over there? All good? Yep, all good for me. Nate, congratulations on your big hole-in-one at Sawgrass over the weekend, by the way. <laughs> no, TPC Summerlin. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> I almost made a hole-in-one on a part four the day before. I'm talking about a video game here, people. So don't. <laughs> if I made a hole-in-one on a part three, you guys, I'd probably, probably open the show with it. I know the show's not about golf, but that I'm telling true. everybody. If you... To be fair, if any one of us went to a, uh, we'll call it where a golf course where uh, the the tour visits and actually got a hole in one, I feel like uh, I don't know if we'd be live right now. Actually, to be honest, <laughs> to be fair, so uh, yeah, pre- that's probably true. <laughs> appreciate it as always, Nate. Um, we'll obviously hear your voice. Uh, so, look, not 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 great. <laughs> Not great stuff in Yankee land. <laughs> you showed me a meme. And I'm, I'm <laughs> so, uh, and it's right up my alley. It's from one of my favorite TV shows. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I, don't, I didn't think we'd be laughing right now. Yeah. Uh, Some, hey, sometimes that's all you can do. Is just, You just kind of have to laugh through the pain, I guess. I don't know. Um, it hasn't been uh, a great weekend, obviously. Yankees get swept. Uh, so we'll obviously cover that. But we'll also look a, a little bit ahead to our own personal future on the podcast. Um, obviously with uh, the offseason, obviously for now all of our teams uh, that we cover kind of happening, we'll, we'll uh, be adjusting schedule of sort and kind of looking and letting you all know about that a little bit. But um, plenty to get to, I guess, in-game-wise here. Uh, obviously we'll jump right in with the Yankees getting swept, uh, excuse me, by the Astros. Thursday, game two, a 3-2 to two Houston victory. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Saturday, 5 nothing uh, Houston victory. And then last night, a 6-5 Houston victory over the Yankees. Um, not exactly great performances really all around, uh, especially on offense. I feel like, of course, the uh, pitching staff was, was really let down or maybe not quite let down is maybe the best term but certainly not um they didn't have their backs i guess is really why i should be getting at here um and you could i guess in a way kind of tell that all all around to certain ends right i mean um there were moments of really great defensive play by the yankees and then there were other moments where i could kind of tell things were just kind of stuck in the head sometimes. Yeah, the offense didn't seem to help out many of the pitchers, and like you kind of mentioned, a lot of times the defense didn't help out. I mean, right. there were several uh, miscues that you could go and point at through the first, or all four games, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, one being last night, that was huge. Um, so, yeah, 
it's just I, I think Gary Cole said it around said it well. They got beat, you know, in every facet. Like it wasn't just one part of the game. Like to me, I know this might be too harsh for some people, but this is how I look at it. It was like a JV and varsity matchup. The Astros are obviously the varsity team, and you know the Yankees are the JV team. It just seemed like mm-hmm. they were way better, more experienced. Like everything just seemed like everything was clicking for the Astros. And look, I'm not afraid to eat, to eat crow here. I mean, I, I said I was not afraid of Houston. I wanted Houston, and we got Houston. <laughs> you know, um, and this is something that we'll discuss, I think, more on Thursday a little bit. Is, um, you know, we're gonna. We will be still having a show on Thursday, not to, again, go too far down the line, but uh, obviously it won't be hyper-focused on anything Yankee or Met or, I guess, in the big league sense that related. We'll, we'll obviously discuss the World Series a little bit, but um, it, it's interesting to me the Houston, how the Astros, they're, they're built in a very strange way to me, it, but it works. And, I mean, I think the fact matter is, is the fact that they just have that core that's been there now for – Really, be fair, building up the better part of a decade now. I mean, Altuve is obviously the longest tenured member on that team at this point. Um, was there during the very, very low moments of, of 2012 and 13 and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, they certainly do a, a great job at kind of adapting and reloading and just kind of getting it going all over again each year, year in, year out at that point. Yeah, the thing with the Yankees is they just – like, the Mariners, you know, put up runs, it seemed like. At least competed more. Um, besides last night, the offense, I, I would think it's, like, one of the worst historical performances in the postseason. Like, yeah. they struck out, what, 51 times? Yep. I mean, you can't win a game if you just keep striking out. Um, what was it, game three? Mm. Uh, 16 of their, what, 27 outs were strikeouts? Yeah. Um, you just you can't win that way, and, and not just one guy was struggling. It seemed like almost everyone but Anthony Rizzo and Harrison Bader, and even Judge. I mean, he just these guys just looked lost. Like it was just sad to see. Um, I thought maybe they would have won last night, but of course the hitting was there and the pitching wasn't. It just that seems just how like that's mm-hmm. just how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think game four last night and. I think we can kind of jump into it here. It kind of really encapsulated, in a lot of ways, kind of the Yankees series or season in general, right? I mean, kind of some highs right off the bat. Middle Park gets disappointing, a little bit of hope and having fun again in the middle, and it kind of just pitters out there at the end. Yep, and it didn't help, you know, with that big error by uh, Glaber. Well, they gave it to Glaber, but mm-hmm. watching the replay, yes, IKF probably could have, you know, Made the play if he didn't if go to the bag the way he did. But I think I think too, and the, obviously we'll highlight the strikeouts here in, in just a sec because it's such a glaring thing in and of itself, right? But this Yankee team, especially this year, and uh, it's the same thing I had I think the past couple of years, just fundamentally not good. <laughs> like uh, the double play, right? Or well, the would be double play, and I know. To me, I think it's on equal parts, Glaber and IKF as a whole. But that is not a play at the big league level that you should be messing up in a moment like that. And, and I, like I said, I know I know people are saying IKF's at fault, Glaber's at fault. It, to me, it's on both, right? So I, it's, it's baffling. <laughs> and look, look at this stat. And during regular during the regular season, they made just. 74 errors, which is the seventh fewest. 
But in the postseason, they made six errors in nine games. Mm -hmm. It seems like these players, as soon as like the moment was big, they just like fell apart. Yeah, that's just how it seemed. It didn't matter if they're on the road or at home. Um, just big errors. I mean, look at the ALDS, the drop fly balls in yeah. left field. Um, it was a game three. Judge and Bader almost collided, and Bader drops the ball. That led to a two-run homer, mm -hmm. which put Dashers up two nothing. Just little things, and in the postseason, obviously, mm -hmm. you know they're going to hurt you. And this is something that I, I do want to bring up right now. I didn't, I didn't leave space for it right here, uh, but I guess this part's maybe looking back on the season as a whole and something that we'll obviously discuss at a future podcast. But I feel like it's justifiable here, right? Is um, you know a guy like IKF, right? For example, who bring over in a trade, kind of force Donaldson upon us all year in a way. But a guy like IKF who. Um, you know, has he played shortstop before this year? Yeah, but he won a gold glove at third base. We've been playing out position all year technically and just couldn't find a groove all year. And we, I, to me, it's tough at that point to expect a guy to to maybe find that groove in a very effectively what was obviously a four-game sample size or a nine-game total sample size. The Yankees have to admit that that trade was not good. I mean, Josh Donaldson pretty much did nothing all year. Yeah, he had a walk-off grand slam and, you know, another walk-off on opening day. But aside from that, the guy was lost. To me, it kind of looks like he can't even see at the plate. It's bad. I said this last night on Twitter because I, uh, somebody, I forget who exactly, brought up the tweet from, from March 13th when the trade went down with Minnesota, and I quote tweeted it, and I'm like, it's a fun one to think about in retrospect, right? A guy who failed all year, a.k.a. Donaldson, a guy who was opposition all year and could never find a groove, a.k.a. Connor Falefa, and a guy who I'm not even sure really exists in Ben Workvet. <laughs> like, it, and the fact of the matter is, um, if it wasn't to me for the Bader trade, which even then I'm still kind of questioning overall in the grand scheme of things, sadly enough, you know, that will have been the biggest acquisition all year. Yeah, and how about the fact that Aaron Boone said he's one of the best shortstops, you know, um, in terms of defense in the league, mm -hmm. but yet they bench him during the playoffs yeah. and then start him in an elimination game last night. Yeah. Like, no, you're not confident with him, and he's not the best, or else you wouldn't have benched mm -hmm. him. It's just they have to admit that that was a mistake, and they couldn't trust him in the big moment, and it's just, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, so that that's a perfect segue here. We can really jump in now with uh, – First off, we'll, we'll go with the stat that, that you brought up. And uh, 50 strikeouts throughout the ALCS, um, just absurd. Uh, 17 in game one, 13 in game two. Um, it was 11 in game three and then nine last night. Um, just ridiculous. And the guy who was headlining it is Josh Donaldson, who had 16 yeah, of the, those strikeouts. And then Matt Carpenter's up there. But yeah. those guys are in two different situations. As we kind of talked last time, Matt Carpenter, you know, hasn't played in two months. He got some time in, you know, the alternate site. But other than that, he hasn't seen live pitching. Donaldson's been there all year. Now, I will say this on the Carpenter front as well. I, I definitely don't think he was healthy to, let me rephrase, he was healthy enough to, to play. But uh, that last at bat last night when he had the drip loader first base to Gurriel, you could clearly tell that he was not running at full Um not so much full speed. I mean, I think he did what a lot of big leaguers kind of do and just kind of trot it out, but you could kind of tell he was favoring that left foot still, kind of putting a lot of, to me, it was a lot of pressure on the right side of, of the run there. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, Donaldson strikes out 16 times. I didn't phrase it right on the screen, but 16 times in the postseason. So, obviously, he's the headliner of this. And to me, I think it's justifiably fair to to kind of pin a lot of this maybe on, on him. Pin's probably not the right word, but to have him be the headliner. Um, the part that I don't understand, though, is just the outright all-on Donaldson aspect of this, when it was really the lineup as a whole that's kind of failing to get going at any point. It was a lineup as a whole, but I just think because of how, like, a lot of times you just went swing the bat. Yeah. And then more times than not, the pitches were right down the middle. It's like, how are you missing your major league player? I mean, their fastballs are mid-90s. How are you not hitting these? I mean, sometimes he's not even making contact. Like, last night he struck out on three pitches. Yeah. Like, they're not even competitive at bats. Where Carpenter, um, you know, had some 3-2 counts. Always swinging. Yeah, and he was yeah. falling off balls, at least trying to get on. Sometimes Donaldson looks like he just doesn't try. Yeah, well, and I, I definitely want to revisit the Carpenter thing, but it will be when we kind of really get into the Aaron Boone stuff. Um, you know, again, to piggyback off that, you'll get a guy like Giancarlo, right? Struck out. Did it looking, but at the very least, I think with him, what, what helps his case, and it's something that we have brought up on here before, the fact that he's not afraid to admit when it is on him. Uh, he has never been one to kind of stray away from the light or the spotlight and um, has never, I guess, really needed <laughs> needed the front offices or Boone or whoever's, uh, I guess, protection in that sense. Yeah, the thing with this series is I think that the Yankees had a great opportunity. They were getting pitched to well, but they also missed so many pitches. Every hitter was missing pitches. Yeah. If you go back and watch like highlights, you'll see they're right down the middle. Yeah. I don't know what is going on, why they're behind pitches. Like I, I don't know why the timing was off. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they had Verlander on the ropes in mm-hmm. Game One. Like they had, uh, you know, they got to McCullers early last night. Um, Valdez, they got to him early, but they couldn't add on to it like right. so many times they had these pitchers on the ropes but they couldn't add mm-hmm. to it yeah it's it's a tough tough spot i think this can also now segue into uh really i guess partially of the aaron boone discussion here is um all of a sudden just starts flinging different lineups out there and, and different even different managerial decisions i mean uh, I mean, it's something that obviously we discussed Thursday, but like you look at game two and all of a sudden Peraza's in the lineup. Um, again, um, you know, just ran, not random, but like, like you look at Saturday with game three, just having Rizzo bat lead off, only to go back to Bader for game four. And then there was stuff last night, like I personally, and I was texting a friend about this in game, and he brought up a good point, right? Is Isaiah Kyrafalefa going to hit a home run in that situation? No, probably not. But I'll at least give IKF credit compared to Donaldson, who was led off the inning. At least IKF was swinging the bat that game last night. Like I, I would have at least put the ball, had the guy who was getting the ball in play over the guy who <laughs> just stands there, might as well go up there with a friggin' plastic Nerf sword. Yeah, it makes no sense to go up there. It's kind of kind of reminds me of Joey Gallo going up there looking for a walk. Yeah. Like you can't just stand there. Like, yeah, I get you're trying to get on base, and then Aaron Boone's excuse for, you know, not moving him down in the order or not or not taking him out of the lineup is because he gets on base. Oh, really? I mean, he doesn't look like he gets on base very much. I don't know the exact numbers, but the guy just stands there. He yeah. doesn't really. Unless the pitcher actually pitches around him or can't find the zone, Donaldson is not getting on base. So, 
and part of that to me too is like at what point like if you're Boone, at what point in the series was he waving just the symbolic white flag? And I can't believe that the front office, like I'm sure obviously they always like talk with Boone before the game. Right. But did they really they were okay with just switching shortstops all the time? Like they, they were all, all in right. on Peraza one day and then you know, Kiner Fluffa another day and then Oswaldo Cabrera another day. Like right. Like, I know Aaron Boone, you know, as a manager, but like we mentioned all the time, he doesn't just make all the decisions. He has the front office people, all, everyone talking to him. I, I just can't believe that, like, they kept going back and forth, and they were okay with it. I have one question. Is this too mean to say about Josh Donaldson? Uh, take your eyes to the screen, please. Um, no, you're probably giving him too much credit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> they uh, Clark at least swung the bat. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, like part of this just circles back to, and this is a different discussion for probably like next week's podcast. But like, like, at what point are we just going to see Hal just finally just burn the front office to the ground? I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately, because the money's still good. But there has, I mean, to, be there has to be changes, right? I mean, I. But again, to me, I think it has to come from Cashman first. I think Cashman's got to go. I think everyone has to go. Yeah. Literally, there has to be a change, like an entire change. It's just I like when when he sent Matt Carpenter up the pinch hit for IKF last night. It was like just go hand dusty a cigar. Like that's what you're doing. So I I don't I don't really know. All right, the final at least. I guess gameplay related thing I do want to discuss is Nestor Cortez um, gets pulled uh, mid third inning after giving up a three run home run uh, with a groin injury. Um, I know a lot of people are speculative, and to me it's not fair because uh, I will say the reason why that it was a fraud in it or a fraud injury type thing, but. Nestor looked off from pretty much after the first out in the second inning, for sure. Um, Jeff Francoeur on the broadcast even brought up the fact that his fastball, which started at least in the low 90s, ended up dipping into the high 80s. Um, something clearly was not right. I would have, uh, when they did the first mound visit with the training staff, that's when I would have pulled him at that point, for sure. Uh, I felt... It was wrong to more or less leave him out there at that point when clearly something's wrong. But I get that he is a gamer, and I get um, that he's going to say he's fine enough to go. But in a situation like that, you have a 3 nothing lead. Uh, guys are on base. Just pull him. Like, you have to j- just be honest with him. Don't leave him out there, to me, to be f- just fed to the wolves like that. Especially, you know, if your logic on – on saving guys at that point is health, like the Yankees have been allegedly saying all year, then what difference does it make when you're already way behind the eight ball in the series anyway? And then Aaron Boone says on the postgame show, which I thought was kind of shocking, that this actually is something he started to feel during a bullpen in the ALDS. Like, really? And it didn't bother him that much back then, but now it bothered him in this game. Like, I don't know, it just Wait, doesn't... To me, at that point, then why wasn't Tyone starting today? Yeah, uh, yesterday, or just, something like that. I know, it yeah. just doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. There's so many questions, but, I mean, mm-hmm. we knew they were going to, you know, lose a series. They're down 3-0. Mm-hmm. When there's only one team ever came back from 3-0. Yep. 
So, like, no matter if they won the game last night, we knew they were going to lose. But the, the, the decision-making and everything that keeps going on is just – it's starting to get to the point where I think fans just don't care anymore. Why care if the Yankees don't care? Right. You know what I mean? And, I mean, they had a, they had plenty of guys to meet eternity, right? I mean, you've, Herman's obviously, albeit in the bullpen. I mean, you've kind of gone with him. And, um, you know, again, credit to Wandy. Every day, Wandy Peralta just goes out there and <laughs> more or less was able, excuse me, to keep the cork on the season and try and do something for the guys out there and just no way, no way to save them. <laughs> yeah, and I also just want to bring up this. How about when Aaron Boone said Domingo Herman will only be used in long, like, long relief or whatever? Well, wouldn't right there was their example. Right there. Yesterday have been an option, but then instead you just keep, you know, piecing relievers together and really pushing Wandy. He was over 40 pitches. Yeah. I mean, the whole pitching situation yesterday was kind of mind And then I see you got Matt Blake in his ear telling him this and telling him that. It's like, Jesus. Right. I mean, I, I just, they're, they're all, like, last night I didn't know I, you had Clay Holmes out there for a second inning. <laughs> Very moot point. With, already had 21 pitches. Yeah, Herman got one inning on Saturday. I very believe. long, very long appearance. And that was his only appearance ever of the postseason. Even in the ALDS, he didn't appear in a single game. Yeah. Like, why would you carry him on the roster if you're not going to use him? Yeah. I think the fact of the matter is that we both expect changes with the Yankees, and we're very uh, hesitant to see that actually come to fruition. Yeah, I think there's no way it happens. Yeah. All right, so uh, that'll wrap up at least the, the, re- the recap stuff here. Um, looking ahead to really the rest of, I guess, the year and off season for the podcast. Uh, we'll still have one more episode this week on Thursday, as we originally planned. Uh, but after that, we'll move to once a week for the time being. Obviously, with the off season, there's not a lot to talk about. Kind of adjust from there as needed. Uh, you know, even though we're both big baseball guys, uh, trust us when we say there gets to certain points in, say, December and even early January, where you're just kind of grasping at straws as to what to talk about. So... Um, for the time being, through at the very least through the World Series and probably a few weeks after that, we'll be going once a week. There'll still be plenty of headlines to talk about for both the Yankees and Mets, uh, essentially, as well as the yes, Mets and Red Wings. Uh, we haven't forgot about them. So Thursday, uh, at least, uh, will be World Series preview. We will discuss that a little bit because, hey, uh, it's fall classic. Still, still one of the, to me, it's, I mean, the, the, Best of the postseason, uh, big four sports, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, so plenty to discuss there. Uh, we'll also start our probably recaps of seasons for uh, the teams that we cover. Probably start with the Esmets. I know they have a lot of their awards and stuff out already, so we'll touch on them and really get going into that. Uh, and plus, who knows what, what else might kind of pop up in between now and then. I mean... I think we're cautiously optimistic about what could happen, but you never know. Um, so that'll wrap up Concrete Jungle then for today. Obviously, we wish it could have been longer and brighter, but it's the way baseball is sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I was only ho- at least hoping for a game tonight, you know, just to extend the season at least one more day, but of course that didn't happen. Rough, uh, rough taste in the mouth. Uh, Nate, appreciate you as always behind the scenes, manning the stuff behind there. Uh, any big plans for the week, Kyle? Nate, anything? Uh, just watching the Sabres continue to roll, hopefully. Maybe <laughs> go to the game Thursday. I don't know. Nice. Yeah, that sounds good, Kyle. That's a <laughs> nice hot start for the Sabres. So there's some positives going on, right? Yeah. Right. And plenty of positives to keep around here. Next Tuesday will be the premiere of our uh, daily show here on FL1, FL1. 
uh, Finger Lakes today, so looking forward to that. Um, yep, 9 a.m. Yeah. Tuesday morning. You'll be able to see all our faces at certain points on there, whether you like it or not. <laughs> uh, so appreciate everybody, as always, for tuning in. Like, share, subscribe on YouTube and also on the podcast feeds. I uh, really appreciate uh, for your left feedback and stuff like that. It helps us out. Catch up anytime on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify. And until Thursday, have a fantastic week, everybody. We'll talk to you then.